because you're jumping back into the gap. All right, let's hey, go. Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Excited to welcome Katrina Merriweather to the Basketball Podcast. Since 2016, Coach Merriweather has been the head coach at Wright State University, where she has taken the program to great heights, including only the second NCAA tournament appearance ever for the program and the school's first ever outright regular season title. Merriweather has been named twice head uh, coach of the year in the Horizon League and is also currently enrolled in the Student Affairs in Higher Education Master's Program. And uh, Coach, welcome to the podcast. And the reason I bring up the master's program is we're going to talk about that a little bit. Thanks for having me, Chris. I look forward to talking about it. It's like a great decision at the time, but it's definitely put a lot on my plate. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. There's always a few things on the go as a head coach. I know that. And uh, I want to start with something and a quote from a good friend of both of ours, Keith Freeman, who uh, when I asked him about you, he said in the relationship piece, I know very few people that are better than you are at building relationships. Can you talk to us a little bit about first the importance of relationships? I love Keith and I think he's an example of that. I was very fortunate getting into this profession uh, that my father had a youth mentoring organization that's now been going on 30 years. And I talk a lot about how, because of how he has carried himself as a club coach, as a youth mentoring organization, a lot of coaches who respect him and the way that he does things and, and that it has been very evident that it's always been for the kids. And I think that those relationships that he built, a lot of them were passed on to me. So there's an importance of maintaining relationships as well as building them. And one thing that I think is the most important is just to be genuine. I don't have relationships for tweets or for attention or to name drop. These are people that I trust, people that have proven to be invested in in kids and in their experience. And I think that what people miss a lot, Chris, is that it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of investment to build relationships. And I just would rather have 20 really good relationships than 200 surface and superficial relationships. So my Quantity may not be that great in regards to me being able to list you know, 50 or 100 people, but I know that the 20 that I can list are, are very solid and we believe in the same things. And I think that that's part of the battle is knowing who to build relationships with. Coach, with building relationships, obviously the, the, the most important part is the relationships with your players. Can you give us some of the practical things that you do to interact and build these relationships with your players? We have five pillars in our program and they are trust, respect, accountability, commitment, and ethics. And that is what guides us in building relationships in a two-way manner. So I don't think that this generation of student athlete is interested in how a lot of us were brought up which is, you know, stay in a child's place, 
speak when spoken to, hey, don't interfere with, with grownups and, and their conversation. I think that this generation has so much information at their fingertips with all the technology. They have the ability to express and articulate their emotions and their feelings via social media. And they just have to really trust you. They have to believe that even when you're hard on them and you show them that tough love, that at the end you have their interest at heart. And like I mentioned before, that takes time. It takes a lot of energy. It is a lot of late night phone calls, a lot of lengthy phone calls, <laughs> a lot of uh, conversations with parents and club coaches and aunts and uncles and, and all these people, you know, that are a part of their world. And with that, I think just comes respect, a mutual respect that the way that we communicate to each other will always be in love. And it'll always be in a way that they understand that we're just trying, that I'm trying to help them understand that the things and the decisions that they make can have a great impact on their life. So we just spend a lot of time talking to them about a lot of different things that don't involve basketball, to be perfectly honest, especially right now. Yeah, no doubt, especially right now. We're in a sort of blessing way that you've got more time to spend to be able to build a lot of these relationships. But the piece that comes back all the time is, okay, how do we build these great relationships and also hold them accountable, which I know is one of your pillars. So can you talk about that process of holding them accountable and still maintaining these great relationships? I think that what we probably grew up with is the sandwich where you can say something good and then right in the meat, you can redirect and or critique. And then at the end, you got to give them some more good stuff. <laughs> and oh, I co- think that coach. Do not get me started uh-huh. on the sandwich. That is so old school. And as we know, when you give them either the negative or the positive, we don't know how they internalize it, right? It's just like, we just don't know what we, message they get with the sandwich. We don't, but that's, that's what I mean about the time and the investment. There's got to be some follow-up. You know, I think the worst thing that we can ever do is, is ream a kid and then that kid not hear from us until the next day. You know, and, and I'm not going to tell you that I don't, I'm not competitive and I don't get emotional and I don't get revved up when I tell you to box out and then you give up two offensive rebounds in a row. Of course, I'm not happy. And of course, I'm not going to hug you in that exact moment. But I think that when I do it, I will at least reach out to that kid later on that night and say, hey, I need you to understand why I'm so frustrated. And it's because the expectation for you is higher than what you're doing. And again, I think that if they realize that when you communicate with them, you just want them to be the best version of themselves, that they can take any criticism that you give them. I think the issue is that people don't want to take the time and or don't have it. Again, I'm there's a hundred ways to skin a cat. So I don't think that the way that we do it here is the only way, but I can tell you that it's worked. So when we give them that, that information, that feedback, it's just really important. And we say, hey, I know you're trying. I know you care, but you have to do this correctly. And even when they hang their head, they usually say, okay, coach. And you find out that really they don't want to disappoint you when you have that relationship. So a lot of their body language and, and their response has to do with they just want to do it well for you which then is another can of worms we open with. We got to teach them how to do it well because it's the right thing to do and to do it for themselves. But initially, um, that relationship piece for me is just, you got to be positive with them. You can't just beat them over the head with negative stuff. Well, the term I use for that is called aftercare, which is something that I've learned a lot over my years in coaching Mm -hmm. and probably something I didn't do as well as I could have. And I love hearing you talk about that 
And then the other part there, which I want you to elaborate on is how initially players, especially probably new players to your program, they want to do things to please you. And, and so many of their actions mm-hmm. are around that rather than them being their authentic self. Well, I'll tell you, I think that I am, and Keith can probably attest to this with us working together for long for so long, is I'm an, an over-communicator and I call it a front loader. I give our kids a lot of information in the beginning, which is like this blueprint for how this program is ran, the best way that you can excel in this program. And let's be honest, we have to bend some and we have to understand that we have to meet kids where they are. You're going to get players that education was enforced in their house. And you have some where no one checked their homework from the time they were in kindergarten until the time they graduated. And so we have to figure out how to meet them where they are so that they don't feel insufficient and inadequate. So what you're talking about for me is they have to be comfortable in their own skin. But at the same time, the accountability has to be there where I say to them, hey, I get it. You wouldn't be in college if you weren't playing basketball. Right. But you have to do well in school to play basketball. And more importantly, you may not understand the importance of a degree, but I do. So you don't have a choice but to do this and not just get through it or get by. You have to figure out how to do it the best way that you can, because we're trying to develop habits that are lifelong habits. And working hard is just one of them. Not just getting an A in a classroom or diving after a loose ball. We want that to be their being. And that's part of the development. And to come back to your accountability question or, or statement, these these kids, my kids, we have an accountability day one time a week where we reach out to our support staff and we say, hey, was anybody late? Did anyone you know, not give enough effort? Anything that we've expressed. And then they get a tally mark. And on accountability day, they have to run for however many tally marks they have. And that includes getting a zero on an assignment because I can never fathom getting a zero. Um, to all the way to, you know, you were talking and wait why our strength and conditioning coach was talking. So I think it's, it's a lot of layers to it, Chris. And it, again, I go back to it takes a lot of effort to be on top of those things. I love the term front-loading communication. I mean, that just, it just makes sense nowadays, too, to be able to convey all this information up front and then to be able to keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it so that they understand things. Yeah, it's not how I was brought up. I was brought up to do exactly what I was told to do the way that I was told to do it. So (laughs) so, uh, luckily, I have had a lot of exposure to different types of people from all types of backgrounds and socioeconomic backgrounds and and, uh, understanding people. And again, you got to learn how to coach people differently because they are different regardless of their race, regardless of their gender, regardless of even coming from a similar socioeconomic background. Everybody's so different that if you try to coach them in a cookie cutter way, it would be such a headache for a coach, I would imagine. Far more of a headache than just attempting to coach them the way they need to be coached. Support for the basketball podcast comes from Bet Online. Football is in full effect and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coach props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. 
Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sports experts. Use promo code ARMCHAIR, all in capitals. Now back to the podcast. So you prepped me a little bit with some ideas, and one of them which I love is some of these different terms that you're spending more time with as a coach in leadership. And that's let's start with first emotional intelligence. This capacity for someone to be aware of control or express their emotions. Like this is so important nowadays, more than anything else, I think is just developing this ability for players to be able to express themselves because as you said, they want to be active participants. They do. And, and they're, that's again, that's just where they're different than again, how me and how most of us in our generation in this generation have were brought up versus these, these kids that we're trying to coach and it can be exhausting. It really can be, but we have to figure it out. We have to figure it out and and be able to tailor the way that we interact with them so that we can get the message across. And part of that is my degrees being in secondary education is you have to be able to teach. And sometimes the best teachers are not the people with all the knowledge. You have to actually be able to transfer the knowledge in your brain through your mouth to where people can actually benefit from what you know. And that to me is different than being smart or or being knowledgeable. And for our players, I think that they really appreciate all of the information and the time that we spend because Keith is the one who actually started to talk to me about emotional intelligence, where he has the opinion that I have a really good feel for how to communicate with people in a certain time in a certain way that then gets everybody to the goal that we're all trying to accomplish. And for us, we don't talk about championships and wins and losses. We just talk about maximizing our potential. And I think that by doing that, you have to listen to people. You have to care about what's going on in their world. But at the same time, Chris, I tell my players, hey, you got to be where your feet are. Like we're about to practice and whatever's going on with you, I will give you the other 22 hours to deal with. But these two hours that we're right here in practice, I need you to be right here. And that's not just for basketball. That's for when they go to work, no matter what's going on in their personal life, they have to show up on time to work, do their job. And then when they get off, they can tend to whatever's going on. So hopefully we're teaching them some lessons that'll, again, last them a lifetime. Well, I love love that. I love that you mentioned that it's exhausting because it is exhausting. It's, It's just easier sometimes to say, hey, just do this. Right. But that's not the impact that we're trying to make nowadays. And it's not the impact that separates us in the relationship building aspect of coaching a player. Right. Absolutely. And I think that even relationships and the the words that we're using, people have different definitions of that all the time. You know, and, and some people think, again, because they sit on the phone with a kid for two or three hours that you're building a relationship when you may be investing time. But the content of that conversation is far more important than the length of time that you're spending on the phone. And so some of that is is trial and error. And some people are naturally good at it and some people really have to try. But I do think it's important to have a realistic <laughs> evaluation of whether or not you're actually good at it. There's a lot of people that say that they are relationship people, um, coaches that say that they are a player's coach, and everybody defines that differently. But for us, we rely on the feedback from our actual players about whether or not we're doing a good job, not whether or not I feel like I'm doing a good job. 
Talk to me about transformational leadership. Something else that has changed through the years is this concept of transformational rather than transactional leadership. Well, I think that when we have part of it is one of the classes I'm taking right now is actually assessment. And so when I say we rely on our kids to give us some feedback, that's that's what I mean. We have to from the time we meet them in this recruiting process and we get to know them. And we spend time learning everything that we possibly can about them to determine if they can be successful in our environment. We also have to be committed to looking ourselves in the mirror and saying, I knew that that was a red flag. When I listened to her uncle say this, I should have figured that. And so in order for us to actually have a transformational impact on them, we have to first accurately assess where they are and evaluate where they are in the beginning so that we can even decide that in six months or after the first year or second year, by the time they graduated, have they actually transformed? Have we actually done the work that means something? Was it effective? Was it efficient? Or are we just trying to check boxes and say, well, you know, we bring them cookies, you know, or we order them pizza or we hug them. But those things, again, are transactional. We're doing something for them, but is it actually having the impact in transforming them as human beings in a holistic sense by the time their time is done with us? So that's how I view it is we've got to, you know, have some some pre and post assessment going on and some conversations. And going back to the beginning, they have to trust us enough to tell us the truth, to, to say, you know, that one time, Coach, I, I sprained my ankle and you usually check on me that night and I and you didn't and you didn't say anything until I got back into practice the next day and it hurt my feelings. Now, you and I are like, come on, like give me a break, you know? But the reality is that if that action made that kid feel some way, I then have to get back on the horse and say, well, better not let it happen again. <laughs> I need to make sure that the next time anybody gets hurt or that kid in particular gets hurt, I got to reach out that night and not the next day because it matters to her. It's so interesting, all those lessons that that we learn through the years and all those different things that impact a player that we wouldn't think would ever impact a player. And especially when we reflect on ourselves, ourselves as a player or ourselves as a person sometimes. And that's just this concept of ex- accepting which is another one of your concepts here that you've learned through your leadership is the servant leadership part that we're ultimately there to serve them and not serve ourselves. There's no question. And again, I I'm not that person that says you have to do it this way or the way you're doing it is wrong. I know that that's the most fulfilling thing for me is to teach our kids that there's a reason why when we get off the bus, I'm not first. I wait for them to get off. I walk behind everybody, behind our team, behind our staff, because that they're my responsibility. You know, that way when they drop something, I see it, I pick it up. I'm not that person that's completely untouchable. And there is one exception. When we get to the hotels, I do get off the bus first because I don't really like for them to know what floor I'm on because we've got some pranksters and jokesters and I don't want things slid under my door. I don't want them knocking on it (laughs) right before curfew. Uh, But other than that, I think it's just, there's all things that I do and that we do because my staff is so phenomenal. I've been so incredibly blessed and fortunate to have the people around me that I've had in my time as a coach, especially in the last four years. We just, they have to understand that we are there for them. And I tell them those things all the time, Chris, 
I say things like, listen, this is your freshman year, your senior year. I can coach as long as I want, whether it's in college, high school, middle school, or bitty ball. But all you have is four. So we're trying to figure out how to get you to get out your own way and for us to figure out how to help you make this the best four years that it can possibly be. And the only way I feel like I know how to do that is with love and compassion and empathy and serving them and not feeling like they owe me or us or the program anything. Very cool stuff. It's great to hear this and different phrasing and different ways that you speak about things. And then let's dive deeper a little bit into this graduate student experience, which again, I think is so unique Mm -hmm. at this time in your life and this time in your career. So I'm wondering, what are some of the practical things you've taken out of this experience that have immediately gone in to support your coaching? So in the middle of social justice concentrations and issues in the middle of this pandemic, it occurred to me that the reason why there's so much misunderstanding that is going on all over the world, but particularly in our country, is because a lot of us don't understand the foundation of fundamental and history of things. So the first thing that you take is intro to student affairs. And the first thing that you learn is the purpose of higher education. And the 15 seasons that I've been a college coach, I don't know that I've really thought about coaching as part of being higher education, right? I know it's college, you know, I know it's a university, but the experience that our student athletes have away from us, I don't know that I ever really thought about it, which is unfortunate because I'm in a sorority and I had a social life and things outside of, of school and basketball to the point where I had a great experience at University of Cincinnati and I could just kick myself for not thinking about this sooner, but the history of higher education and knowing who it was designed for, how it was designed, that it didn't always include having housing, dorms and campus housing, that it was really about going to class and going home. And then all of a sudden, this whole idea of belongingness, this whole idea of the more that students utilize resources on campus, the more successful they are academically and the more success they have during their experience, when as student athletes, they hardly ever get to experience anything outside of their sport. And so the one thing that research says can cause them to have a great experience and not just rely on wins and losses or playing time is them having a sense of belongingness to the actual university. And where we are right now with these rule changes with transfers, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, we need our players to not just be connected to me or to our coaches or to the program or even their experience as an athlete. We need them to be connected to the university because then they'll be more likely to fight through the things that are happening, you know, on the court or in their sport. So that's probably the biggest thing that I take from it. Um, And then there's just all these courses, Chris, about theories and, and minority theories and again, the sense of belongingness. And it just has been eye opening. And I really encourage any coach, whether you want to get a master's degree or you just want to take classes uh, to actually take them in in student affairs if they can or, or somewhere close, because it has really helped me. Well, it's such a great perspective that sport is a part of the student experience and not separate from it. And I think at all levels of sport beyond or below the professional level, that's the case. I love the other part of that too, which is this transfer 
situation that's happening. And it's like, again, it comes back. We, we can't blame the kids. Like it's, it's gotta be something that we look at ourselves in the mirror first and what we're doing as a program and institution and whatnot. And I love this idea of connecting the kids to your school in a deeper way. So they feel something beyond just your program. Can you talk about some of the ways that you do that? Sure. I went and spoke at the Optimist Club and they have an Optimist Creed. And it was so amazing to me because as I read it, I thought, wow, I feel a lot of these ways about life. But just now, you know, as I become an adult, I don't recall being also optimistic, you know, from from 18 to 22. Uh, I kind of remember being a little self-absorbed and only caring about my very, very small bubble and what I was doing kind of nose in the sand type deal. And I read that and I go back and I share it with our players. And ultimately what comes out of it is our women's basketball team is in charge of the chapter at Wright State of the Optimist Club. And what that means for me is, is one, it's something that for simplistic purposes, it's just about choosing to be happy. And I think that a lot of this generation talks a lot about anxiety and mental health and depression, and they go through so much more than what we experienced when we were their age, that if we can just give them something that can say, hey, you got a choice, you can look at it this way, or you can look at it this way. And let's just choose the upbeat, positive, happy perspective. And so what it also does, Chris, is they then have different leadership roles within the Optimist Club. So the president, the treasurer, the the head of the committee on community service, like they have all these different responsibilities that then build their resume in a way that they may not otherwise be able to because of the time commitment they have to basketball. So that's one of the the main ways that we do that. And that's kind of how we get through our community service requirements. And then we go beyond that because I think that that's probably the most important thing is for them to see the community of Dayton and not just the campus and the five miles that surround it. Well, that's great. And are you finding that your players are that have been through this and have experienced this, that they're finding ways to do some things on their own beyond what you and the program mandate? I think we have a few. Um, I don't know that it is a concept. So our, our motto every year has been Ubuntu. We are who we are because of who we all are. Or you can look at it as I am who I am because of who we all are. And so we try to give them this sense of community um, and the importance of that. And then this year in particular, we have used um, get better and give back. Get better is something that we say before every practice. Um, Actually, my cousin, uh, Mo Scott, with the South Bend Soldiers, uh, I heard them say that it's been 20 years And I thought, huh, that's interesting. That's an interesting thing to say. Well, then um, his son just created some shirts for us. So my little cousin that say, get better and give back. And we're really, really trying to make that a a motto for them. Again, not just at Wright State, but for life. And the reality is, is that some of them are in a space to embrace it. And other ones are, you know, I want to go to school. I want to play basketball. And I think that that's one of those things we talked about already. That's a a challenge to transform, help that student athlete transform into someone who just is a community service driven person. So we have our work cut out with a few of them. (laughs) Of course. And, and And as you would expect, 
it's not as simple as just, again, put them in that situation then they're going to buy into it. And then the other hard part about coaching sometimes, which is rewarding, but you'd love for it to be in the moment. Sometimes the impact is realized well after the fact, right? Well, after they're done with you, they realize what you were trying to do as a coach. I look at it as all the lessons that my family has taught me, you know, my dad, my mom, my grandparents, aunts, uncles, I've got this amazing village that I didn't, I had to be 25 or 26 before I said, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. (laughs) I I understand what you meant now. Um, I remember all the things I said about Lori Pirtle when I was playing for her, like she was insanely competitive. And I thought that this lady could possibly do absolutely nothing except watch film all day, every day. And I've been fortunate to be a a graduate assistant at Cincinnati immediately afterwards, which will always be the most beneficial coaching year in my career. I'm positive of, of it to be on the other side of where I played. And I'm fortunate to have a relationship with all my coaches that coached me. And I tell my players this at least once every two weeks. I used to think that my coach was crazy. We use things like bipolar that she needed to get a life. And now I understand that it wasn't her. It was us. We drove her crazy if she was crazy. We were partially responsible for that behavior that she exhibited. And I tell them I wake up every morning until my phone rings and someone violated a housing policy or someone violated curfew or (laughs) or we play a game and you act like we didn't practice. And so, of course, I'm not going to be the same happy person in those moments. So I think that we all know that as coaches that we probably gave our coaches headaches when we were players. And so I think it's only karma that we get some of it back. No question. And, and as you've mentioned all throughout this, that we, we we're dealing with them differently nowadays than we would have, say, 20 years ago. Coach, one thing that I love that you said, and I am in exactly the same way now, that you said that you start several books, but you can't finish them. Can you talk about that? Well, uh, my mom is a writer and and she's had some some things published in magazines um, when she was younger. And I just love the idea of putting thoughts on paper. But because I feel like I'm constantly learning and growing, it's so difficult to end as well as decide what belongs in, in which book. So as much as I sit down and write, and I also have an eight-month-old puppy that is the exact opposite of anything that I try to get accomplished every day because not only does she want to play but I want to play with her all day but it makes it very difficult to sit down and concentrate and write with all that's going on but I do think that from all the people I've been so fortunate to have along my journey that writing the book is not about what I think or even what I've been through it has been the impact that all these awesome people have had on me and all the things that I've learned and how much I would love to share that uh, with other people. But yes, it's a struggle. <laughs> it's a struggle to to get past, you know, the first few chapters. Well, it's because so many things deeply stimulate us, don't they? Like, it's just like, and this yes. is why I almost prefer almost Twitter to get some academic people and follow them. And they stimulate me in a really short burst of information that then I can pursue more of. Right. Rather than this big in-depth book that sometimes, again, is like, oh, I can't get through it because I want to keep going and looking at some of these other things and get sidetracked. (laughs) Yeah, we sound very similar in that way, Um, because I do know that that the fulfillment that we get 
you know, from helping young people and being part of their journey, there is still, you know, that intellectual side that somehow has to be satisfied and stimulated. And I think that that me starting graduate school uh, for the second time, because I started when I was in college and when I got a coaching job, I just didn't finish. And, and you learn all these valuable lessons like graduate credits actually expire How about that. Um, and then part of it for me also was what are we going to do after we coach? You know, because of course, if, if it was our choice, we would coach forever. But the reality is, is that it's very difficult to be in this profession and not get fired at least once, if not twice. Um, so so what's the plan in the event things don't go the way that we want? So I actually um, put on evaluations of my assistant coaches, with the exception of one who graduated from Notre Dame. So I don't really think it was a necessity. We're all in graduate school and um, we are sharing that struggle together. But I do think it's important that we are the example that we expect from our our young women. So them knowing that we're in school and that we're balancing full time jobs and taking courses, it leaves very little room for them to have any excuses. So that has created its own chapter of things that I would like to write about one day. <laughs> Support for the basketball podcast comes from Bet Online. Football is in full effect and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coach props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sports experts, Use promo code ARMCHAIR, all in capitals. Listen up, fellows, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. The nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered, 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience, and it is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weed. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and hairs in our holes looking nice. Now back to the podcast. Well, I love that because we're so empowered as learners nowadays to learn on our own. You know, even if, as you said, we're not in graduate school, we can learn and keep learning and lifelong learners. And I want to come back to something, Coach, which basically, again, to hit on it uh, in a similar way, is this concept of coaching in this modern era. The players are a little bit different than they were years ago, but you can still coach with tough love. How do you balance that tough love? Because you've said that you're still a tough coach but you can still balance that. Can you talk about how you do that? Sure. And I think the first thing is to acknowledge that this generation that we complain about, the, their parents are my age. 
So we're the ones who raised these kids that we're complaining about. So you got to take some responsibility there. <laughs> like it, it starts, you know, and it starts there. Um, but the balance for me is, is again, natural. So I think that for all the people like a Keith and that says that I'm really good at certain things, I think that it's just really important that when we talk to them, they have to understand that even when they don't like what I say, because I tell them that during the process, Chris, I say, listen, you like me now, but that's because I'm not responsible for holding you accountable for anything. The minute that you get to right state and I have to hold you accountable for these things, you're not going to like me some days. You're not always going to agree with me. And I tell them that's why we have five other people for you to talk to. Odds of you being mad at all six of us the same day, very slim. So you'll always have somebody to go to if you, <laughs> if you just want to fuss and complain. But they know. They know that no matter what I do or what I say, that my intention is always good. That and we have and and the Chris, I've had some challenges, you know, where we've gotten some kids that have some severe trust issues, and I've had to literally look them in the eye and say, "I'm not here to hurt you. No one is going to hurt you, and I'm not going to allow anyone to hurt you." And those kids, no matter where they're from, no matter how tough they are, in those moments they cry. And it's because they are bogged down with things that we cannot imagine. And some of these things, I, I end up having a pretty harsh conversation in our parent meeting prior to the season starting, because these parents oftentimes don't share information because they're afraid that it will deter us from recruiting their kid. But then we get them on campus and all the things that have been swept under the rug, well, they trip over them. And then they all come spilling out and we're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then you have a heart to heart with this kid and you find out they've been dealing with and battling things that we had no idea about. So we have to get to a place where they know that I care about all that stuff, but I still expect them to be excellent. And that to me is, is the biggest balance is for them to know those two things. Well, I love so many things you've said so far, but obviously normalizing the fact that, you know what, this isn't going to be a perfect relationship. We're going to have struggles together. And I love that you bring that out in front. And I think that's so important because I think, again, in the recruiting process, we can sometimes sell them on this utopia that isn't the reality of what it's going to be. So I think that's it's outstanding. But I love the other part about creating safety. You're creating the psychological safety for them to be able to communicate, which leads us to one of the topics that I really was excited to talk to you about and that you brought up uh, in some of our conversations prior, which is this concept of inclusion. And as an FYI, mm -hmm. I have never had a black female head coach on the podcast, which is disappointing to me. But I'm so glad that now I can say that I've had that. And we talked a little bit about that briefly about it's not because I haven't asked. I just really haven't got the yes yet. And I respect the no. And I'm okay with the no. But I just haven't had that opportunity yet. So uh, this, is, this is exciting for me in that sense. Oh, well, thank you. And I do appreciate your transparency, too, because one of the the things that we've talked about is, is I think that one of the reasons why our kids trust us and I can figure out how to trust them is because we're transparent, truthful, and honest with each other, which then sometimes means vulnerability. And I think that sometimes that's why people don't want to do podcasts 
That's why people don't want to do interviews about certain topics. And like you said, I completely respect that and understand it because I've been in that space before. Immediately after my experience at Purdue, I was very closed off and shut off. And I'm just now, again, bringing my head out of the sand and saying, okay, you got to let it go. You got to grow up and you have way too much to share with people that can help them maybe not make the same mistakes that I've made or the things that I do well, maybe it's something that can be useful to them. And being a Black female, especially now, and I have friends that I talk to and colleagues I talk to on a regular basis that are men, that are white, and the conversations are, are always the same. Right now, I've told them it's it's really unfortunate that we can't take a break from being Black or being a woman because I do get tired of talking about it in regards to social justice, in regards to inequities and inequalities that exist in, in our society. So I think that there are a lot of people, Chris, that are just tired. And I think that they're concerned with if they say the wrong thing, what is going to be the consequence and are the repercussions of that? And then when you're a woman, we have been fighting to be heard like this. I'm speaking by Kamala Harris T-shirts that are going around. Like the reason those are popular is because that's that's the experience of some people. That experience is real. You know, and then being black or, or a minority, it's here. You can have this stay in this space. And then when you're a black woman, Chris, the minute that you talk passionately or you raise your voice. And I've experienced this as a coach. It's or you're not supposed to do that. Well, now you're an angry Black woman. And so I'm not surprised a lot of people that you've asked have, have not, you know, have said no. I'm not surprised at all because I think that there's so many things that can come from it that we can't predict that it's somewhat not worth the risk. I'm so glad you're, you're talking about this because, I, I, again, I totally respect the no and I get it. And I have looked at it from those perspectives and totally understand it. And I do think that we're in challenging times, clearly, on so many levels with everything going on in the world. But I do think we're also in a transformational time. And that's what's been really exciting for me is some of these people that I've had conversations with that aren't willing to go on the podcast, I've still been able to have the conversations with. And it's been great. Mm -hmm. And it's been truly, again, transformational for me. I'm curious then if you can bring this to your team setting a little bit and talk to us about something that you said to me. I am not about exclusion or creating groups that are meant to exclude as opposed to support. Can you talk to me about how you bring that to your team? Sure. Well, in our current dynamic, we have uh, five, all of us are women, five black coaches, one white coach. I've got 15 players and 14 of them are black and one of them is white. And these times are very, very sensitive because it's really important that everyone feels respected. And these are conversations that I've had with a, a lot of white coaches where they're halfway scared to say anything because they don't want to be labeled a racist and or have their words uh, misunderstood or any issues that come from what they say. Well, again, I'm talking as a black woman and I still to my left and to my right have one white coach and one white player. And I have to make sure that they are just as included and feel just as welcome and a part of our family as all of my Black coaches and, and players. And if you don't acknowledge those things, I think it's very difficult to deal with. But we talk about them so openly. When my kid that's from Florida, her name is Channing, 
decided to come to Wright State. She knew there weren't any white kids on the team. So one has to assume that she's okay with that. But then she's 18 years old, has no idea what that really looks like when you go away from home and you're in an environment where you're a minority, where no other time in your world are you a minority. And it has been amazing for them because I think it has impacted, Chris, the language that we use and how we talk. I think that our kids are more conscious of the importance of their words, which by the way, it's a book that we read. We read the four agreements and one of them is be impeccable with your word and understanding how what comes out of your mouth can really have a lifelong effect on someone that you care about. My mother's always said a moment on the lips can be a lifetime on the heart. So like these conversations that I'm I'm having with our, our student athletes, they're supported by our administration from our athletic administration all the way to the president of university, which is also something that I've learned in student affairs, the importance of knowing who all these people are <laughs> in regards to this stuff. But our team, Chris, we we have a very safe place where people say what they want to say, and and but we are careful in how we communicate. And if anything gets a little hairy, we just stay there until we we knock it out and we get back on the same page again. And um, I think that that's just the best way to handle it is with transparency and and everyone feeling like they won't be judged for what they say. Well, I love so much of that. And it's really what I'm trying to do with the podcast is just, again, to create a safe environment for coaches to have real conversations. So I'm, I'm grateful for any time we get to have a conversation with any coach at any point. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been really cool to be able to be a part of kind of this time in the world. And you've said this, I believe in actions, not words. So what are the actions within your team that show that you've created this inclusion amongst your players? I think the conversation is, is the first thing. If we sit down and I say, hey, how do you feel about the election? I don't believe, and no one's communicated to me that they feel like they can't speak. I have one uh, student athlete in particular, <laughs> Gabby, who is, uh, when I recruited her <clears throat> as she transferred to us, uh, she says, well, I wanna be a senator. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, you know, let's talk more about that. And so where people think that traditionally, you know, people believe in these stereotypes and this sort of thing. Well, Gabby's one of those people that says, well, I'm not voting for someone just because they're black or because they're a woman or because they're a Democrat. I'm voting over the issues and I believe this and I believe that. And it always makes me smile because she's so passionate about it. But in that room, her opinions are often unpopular. And I love that she feels like she can communicate that and that on the back end, we don't ever hear that it has caused a rift in the team and or something away that we can't see, you know, like back at the apartments or dorms or whatnot. So that's one of the examples that I have is that we don't always have easy conversations. Um, I think it's important that they learn how to express themselves, but also defend what they feel is right and what they're passionate about. I'll share this too. We do this thing that's been a little disrupted this year. Uh, we're Monday through Friday. We have Money Mondays, Teammate Tuesday, Real Life Wednesday. Uh, we call Thursday, Thirsty Thursdays. That's our social media day. And then Faithful Fridays. And there's always a topic <clears throat> relevant to each day and they get an opportunity to express. And sometimes those real life things can go from 
insurance all the way to mental, emotional and physical abuse. And we have had some tremendous breakthroughs in our program over the last couple of years when we share those topics. And so I think that those are that I look at that and I say, well, we've created a space where they can communicate and feel safe and know that it won't leave the room. Oh, it's tremendous. And again, it speaks to your purpose beyond just being a basketball coach, but it all connects back to being a better basketball team, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it, it really does. And when we recruit people, we say, listen, we think this thing is easy and we kind of think we got to figure it out. We're going to do everything we can to help you because this is something I had to learn in my career. See, early on, it was, how, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? And then I should have gone back to what I learned in, in sixth grade from my teacher, Miss McGee, the give a man a fish, because that's what I was doing early in my career. I was given the fish, given the fish. And then I go through this part of my life and I'm like, well, this happened because I was giving them the fish. Like you have to teach them how to fish. And so that's kind of where we are now is if we can teach you how to manage your time. We can teach you about how to get your priorities straight. Then basketball is easy and fun because you're already good enough to be here. That's why we recruited you. Well, we found out and what I believe is the reason why a lot of kids are real bogged down. They get burned out from basketball and all these other things are because all the stuff that they have going on is impacting their ability to enjoy basketball. So we can just help them organize and keep their life straight then basketball will remain fun and easy. And I think that that's something that that we really focus on. And again, my staff deserves all the credit for that because they they make sure that we are doing everything we can to make their life as, as simple and organized as possible so that the time we have with them basketball-wise, it can be productive and fun. So much of this comes back to uh, another conversation, which is this conversation about mentorship and the importance of mentorship. And I know you've had great mentors in your life, but I know one of the other areas is the WBCA seems to be one of the best organizations I've seen at fostering these mentorship relationships. Can you talk about both aspects and the importance of mentorship? Absolutely. I think mentorship for me is is such a necessity because it's you may not think you need one uh, when things are going well. And it's even in regards to like, I have an, an awesome agent um, that helped me remember that you don't need me when things are good, but when things are bad, you're going to need someone to handle the things that are going wrong. And that was the most striking thing. And the only reason why I even got an agent because I didn't have one when I became the head coach here because that made so much sense to me. And I think that mentorship is, I don't talk to a lot of people every day, but I do have this group of people that when they have to make a big life decision and they are in some sort of a a bind, they call me because they know that I'm going to be honest. They know that I'm going to express my opinion in a very loving and caring way but it may not end with me saying that they're right (laughs) or that they did the right thing. And so being honest to me is the the best part of, of mentorship. And on the flip side, I have people, you know, the Mike Bradbury's of the world, uh, Trish Kolob, who's actually the president of the WBCA um, that I can call and she'll say, ah, Trina, or he'll say, Trina, I don't know. You know, you may want to rethink how you plan on handling that. 
And if you don't have those people that can bounce you back into your reality instead of, oh, this is what I want to do, what is what you want to do the best thing? Because that is the biggest transition for me from being an assistant coach to a head coach is I used to walk in Mike's office all the time and say, well, this is what I think you ought to do. And this is what's going on. This is what I would do. And he said, okay, what did you think about this, this, and this? I'm like, no, of course not. You know, and he just smiles and I'm like, got it. And I'll go back to my office with my tail between my legs, with my head down. <laughs> and, and it taught me how to think beyond just presenting an issue without having some sort of a solution. Um, and again, my staff is phenomenal at that. I go in there and I'm going off the rails because we have a closed scrimmage and we can't rebound the ball very well. And we traditionally are in, in the top 10 in the country and rebounding. And I'm losing my mind. And if it's not for them and the relationship that we have, is I don't always think that mentorship is about being in an authoritative position or or being older or any of that. I think it's simply about mentorship is very close to fellowship for me. So the people that I talk to and deal with, you know, they they really are are they're helpful. And without them, I'm sure I would have made all sorts of mistakes. And and Keith is refer I refer to Keith as my training wheels my first two years as a head coach. Without him, I mean only God knows what I would have messed up. You know, and without those people in your life, you just are in in bad shape. Well, I should have said this from the beginning, but Keith Freeman is uh, an assistant coach now with Mississippi State, but was longtime Valparaiso State and was at Wright State. Uh, and then Mike Bradbury is New Mexico Lobos women's basketball coach and was was uh, you were an assistant with him prior to taking over at Wright State. Just some of these people that uh, were in your life prior to. And uh, I. I Coming back to, I guess, again, something that I think is so important as we've talked about already is this, anytime anyone makes a mistake around you, you say the first thing you do is, did I do a great job of communicating what I meant? And so much of that comes back to this self-reflection, this understanding of I had a part in whatever the player's reaction was. Can you talk again about that? Sure. I think that what I have found out because I think that I could categorize myself as a very reactionary person when I was younger. And I realized that that is not the most productive way to be. Um, when you have responsibility and accountability in a situation, it also keeps you in a space where you have and you feel empowered instead of hopeless and or a victim. And so when you say, hey, do this drill, and I noticed that they don't get where I tell where I felt like I told them to get. I for, I don't. My initial reaction is not to yell and say, well, get over there. My initial reaction is that I communicate to this player where I wanted them to be. And that deep breath in that moment where I pause, I think that is very beneficial because I think that sometimes when coaches get themselves in the, into trouble is they're very reactive, you know, to what's going on. And you just got to learn how to take a deep breath and say, what is my responsibility in this situation? And again, that's not just a basketball thing for me. It's It's been across the board. And what it gives me, Chris, is it gives me peace because then I'm not always blaming someone else. I'm not always angry with someone else. I'm not always uh, trying to figure out how it cannot be my fault. So then people are looking at me like, ooh, she doesn't take responsibility for anything. 
like everything is is always someone else's fault which if we would take a step back and look at some of the things that we've done along our lifetime, I think we would find out that we've done that. And we really blamed other people when, if we had made a better decision ourselves, we very well may not have been in that situation to begin with. And so that's again, something else that, that we teach to our, to our young women. And again, I've had people, you know, Nikki Laurie and, and um, coach Jack that's at Buffalo. Now these people, these women that have said, Trina, you know, you cannot be in a spot where you are looking to blame anyone else for anything. And when I stopped doing that, I mean, the freedom that I felt was, was amazing. And again, I share a lot of stories and things with our, with our young women so that they understand that I'm not on some pedestal telling them what to do. A lot of the things that I share with them are things that I messed up, things that I wish I had done differently or, you know, things that um, I could have taken my time and made a better decision and how much I want them to be the type of people as soon as they can be that just say, let me take a step back, take a deep breath. And what is it that I could have done for this situation to have worked out differently? Coach, uh, I know it's been a great conversation because I look at the time and I go, wow, like we've already talked for almost an hour. Uh, just, just again, tremendous insights. And it's, it's so obvious why you've been successful uh, with, with, and we haven't even got into the technical tactical, which I know you're great at as well, but uh, it's just so great to be able to have you on and to be able to share the game with us. So thank you. Well, thank you. And I really appreciate that. And I would love to come back anytime you want to get into anything different. Um, and I can't wait to listen to all your podcasts because I know for a fact that I can take away some valuable nuggets. So I'm looking forward to that. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the basketball podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things basketball immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.